Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce Ng. Joyce, we're, we're back from uh, some New York Film Festival events. Um, yeah, we saw May, December together. Sat right next and to each other. And also Maestro together, but not really together. You were sitting next to Bradley Cooper and Jeremy Strong for Maestro. Yeah, I, I was uh, by Bradley Cooper and his family. As yes. soon as his mom, Gloria, sat down, I was like, that's his mom. You were in, in like, the VIP seats immediately to yeah. the point where you got papped. You said on uh, on social media. Yeah, I, I wound up in <laughs> the background of a video. Yes, of someone filming Bradley Cooper yes. in front of me. So uh, yeah. talking about the New York Film Festival, great event. Maestro is this week. Joyce recording this on Wednesday. We saw it Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bradley Cooper was there. He, he was allowed, given a waiver to see his own movie by SAG. As uh, they're still on strike. I mean, like technically, he could have always gone as a yes. director yes and also now as a writer of yes. course yeah uh, but he, he didn't participate didn't go to Venice. he didn't participate in any press but josh singer was their co-writer uh he yeah. was he was doing some some conversing about the film uh yeah stars that event jeremy strong was there who was maybe supposed to be he was supposed to be in maestro but no longer he came in right before everything started and as soon as i saw this like whiff of brown in my sure. provision i was like Jeremy Strong. A, a so. great 24 hours for Jeremy Strong. Got to watch the Jets. Jets? Oh my gosh. Taylor Swift and then see Maestro with Bradley Cooper and, and Carrie Mulligan. Uh, who else was there? Laura Dern, I think we saw there. Yeah, right? Laura Dern was there pretty early. She was talking to a lot of people. She had a long combo with Bradley. Sure. And she sat um, in front of him. And then Jeremy and his wife sat in her row. And then I had to watch the back of Jeremy's head the entire time okay. because. The guy in directly in front of me, he was too tall. So his head was blocking the bottom of the screen for me. Mm. And then my only direct line of vision for the screen was like slightly to my right. And then it was like a perfect view of Jeremy, who was like three rows ahead of me. So then I I watched the whole movie like that. And let me tell you, Jeremy Strong loved Maestro. He did seem like it. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah, saying- he he clapped. I mean, the entire audience clapped after the cathedral scene, which which is amazing. But he was like passionately that. clapping. And then during the credits, when Carrie Mulligan's name came up, he raised his arms to clap like this for her. 
I, I get the sense Jeremy Strong is a great fan of Bradley Cooper, right? In real life, and maybe they're friends. Because uh, last I was talking to one of my other pals, and last time I saw Jeremy Strong at, at a Lincoln Center slash uh, event was at the premiere of Nightmare Alley. Him and Nicholas Braun. Yes, were there yeah, yeah, we saw him there. That was right. two years ago now. Right. Yeah. So he must love Bradley, and with good reason. Bradley Cooper seems like people really like. He's well, an at that point. He was still supposed to be in Maestro. True. I don't know who he would have played in Maestro. I believe the rumors were that he was going to play his biographer, and then they just like Kinda rewrote the script. Right. And, yeah. So let's, I guess, talk about Maestro. Do you want to talk about it in terms of it's a, what we could do awards and then also just as a film? But I, I guess for our purposes, the awards are probably paramount, right? Well, um, as I said at the end of last week's episode, yes, you were going to immediately put Bradley in first place after like seeing a, it. Like fucking heat-seeking missile. There he is, yeah. right at the top. Uh, and, so and I you did. Launched him right in. Uh, first place with a bullet. Uh, sorry to Leo DiCaprio, which you also predicted who is who I would I drop. I predicted uh, that in our column on Friday because right. you were like, who will I drop? And I was like, it's going to be Leo because you've uh, previously said to me, um, what if he doesn't get in? So I'm going with that. Uh, I dropped Leo. I don't think it's his best performance. Apologies to David Ehrlich. That's still an insane take. Uh, and I think it's a strong movie and he will have a lot of supporters, but not a lot of passion. Bradley, I think will have a lot of passion. I think uh, actors like Jeremy Strong and Jessica Chastain in that level of acting type will really, really, really respond to Bradley Cooper in this movie. He will also have the support of the Smartless dudes, because if you yes. listened to uh, Ben Affleck's episode back in April, uh, ben was very jealous that Jason Bateman and Will Arnett had already seen a cut of Maestro. Yes. But Ben said that Bradley would not show him a cut yet because the sound wasn't mixed perfectly yet. So he wanted Ben to have the perfect cut. Sure. So, so I guess that's what we saw. Ben, so if you're listening, yeah, they ben, also it was outfitted, pretty good. we saw it at, at David Geffen Hall in Lincoln Center. Yes. And they uh, outfitted the whole uh, theater. Uh, with new tech Dolby Atmos 48 yeah. channels mm -hmm. they talked about it a lot I wonder how many times they were they very proud of about it. it to clear the sponsorship bar that's what I was wondering it was definitely like hashtag SponCon hashtag ad yeah and yeah but you know what great sound beautiful sound great sound beautiful sound uh and Bradley uh really great performance I thought I thought it was really I think the movie is I, the movie is good I think we yeah, both agree. I, I would say I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, it it is it is good. And um there's just kind of okay, so as uh, as a directing achievement, I thought you could really see Bradley having leveled up. Yes. Like there's a lot more confidence, um, especially in the first half. And you see like some of his flourishes. There's some uh, really striking compositions in the second half too, but you really see a lot of that in the first half. So it was like, he's balling here. It, and then yeah. like, the energy of, it's kind, it reminded me of A Star is Born where the energy of the first half was really high. I think the first half of the of A Star is Born, like its peak is higher than Maestro's peak, but it's like that same type of thing where it's just like these two people are like getting together and they're really successful and you see you know, what's making it work and click with them and them pursuing their dreams. And then it takes a turn in the second half. Um, and I think in Maestro, it, it like the second half kind of like 
loses a little bit of that energy and it's like it's not like shapeless but it's kind of um you know kind of like trying to find its way as it delves more into the conflicts between uh Leonard and Felicia you yeah know? it's a lot of vignettes yeah and then it's like it's a lot a, a little bit more conventional type of biopic type of stuff in the second half I gotta say I might I actually found the beginning tough but I thought by the end I was really into it. Once it like kind of kicks into color, I felt like it's great. Um, why why did you find the beginning tough? I didn't love. I I just was like it felt like really mannered, and like kind of if not phony, like trying to replicate. You know how Mank? It's like the idea is we're making like a movie from the nineteen forties, and that did a great job of that to me. And this felt like trying to do the same thing in the beginning, and it just didn't. It felt like putting on a show instead of like truly being like that I don't understand how else to explain it but I think once you get like a little more into it I found like it really compelling even if I think what you're saying is right because it is like if not saggy like more like there's just it's like more vignette right you know what I mean like like yeah. scene to scene you could mm -hmm. tell that there was like a longer version of this movie probably I know that's been like yeah talked it, about. it 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 definitely feels like uh, some scenes in the second half are trimmed but you know? to what you were saying, the level up, every single like aspect of this movie, I think is like top tier shit. Like the sound killer. The makeup is amazing. I thought the makeup on him was so good. As a and, hero. Like, holy cow. The end of the movie when, or, you know, it's in the beginning too. And he's playing Leonard Bernstein as like an 80 year old man or however old, right? Like older. Name. 70 years old. Uh, it's uncanny. I, I was like, you can't even see really the seams. Everything in the wig work is perfect. Every aspect of the makeup and the hair, everything is great. Cinematography is really cool. Like you're saying, the compositions are great. Uh, a lot less close-ups than like Star is Born, which I was like, that's cool. Like, you know, he's like trying things. A lot more like- the, Yeah, like, but the you still feel- yeah, even when it's like a wide shot, like you still feel the intimacy of yes. a lot of these scenes and interactions. Like there's a very key scene. It's it's the fight that right. everyone has talked yeah. about since Venice. And the yeah, the way that's composed and it's a it's a very long scene, but it was it was just it's so intense and there's no close up. It's great. And like it really lets the performances breathe. I thought all that was great. Like the editing I thought was really good, the cinematography, like I said, like every aspect of it is like awesome. And the movie itself is good. I, I don't know how else to describe You know what I mean? It's like every part of it is great. Yeah, and when it comes together, it's like, yeah, this is good. You know, I thought it was good. Uh, like, I like it more than other top contenders that people are talking about this year, personally. Some of them, at least. Yes. Not all of them. Yeah, and I think it's, um, I, I think it's better than uh, several biopics we've had recently. It's funny, like, or, I or like a lot of biopics we've had he, recently. <laughs> if if uh, he's if Bradley, Bradley, if you're watching, I understand you're not a big fan of hearing that it's a biopic because they made a point to say it's not a biopic, and I understand actually why, based on the movie. And I think if people are not into the movie, it might actually be because it's not as much of a traditional biopic as you would want if you're a fan of Leonard Bernstein or just want to know the history, because it is way more focused on like their marriage and like just like aspects of his life. Like the, there's a lot less music in it than maybe you're expecting, I would say. Too. Yeah, it's, it's a relationship drama. And so like, that's really what it is. So I understand why it's not a biopic. That said, he is still playing Leonard Bernstein and it's like still like you're going to learn about a little of his life at least yeah I would just say it's not framed in a way where the movie is the the central 
focus of the movie is about this like great genius man and and like how he came to be and like the people in his orbit it's really about like him and felicia together and like it also covers like her dreams and pursuits and everything too and the trials that she goes through so it's it's not just focused solely on his rise to fame you know even though it does open that way really of him getting the call to, to it's not him. focused on his rise to fame but it is focused on him yeah it's focused on him like he still opens and closes the movie also because she died before him so that's not a spoiler that's real life <laughs> so. it, it opens it opens with a quote that i think is like interesting for the movie and actually why i think this movie will be like the reviews i mean like people liked it a lot some people really loved it on letterbox i was looking david sims five stars david ehrlich two and a half stars a lot of people came out of our um screening which was also the premiere yeah the the north american premiere as they like yes. to say yeah um you know just really enraptured with it and i get it but i also feel like this is like festival goggles talking like definitely people, a little like like this crowd is very prone to loving the movie and there are like we said things to love about it and yeah. it is a very good movie um but i also take those reactions from the grain of salt it's like you're reacting so immediately afterwards yeah <laughs> you know I think, like, it's funny. The movie opens with a quote from Leonard Bernstein. A work of art does not answer questions. It provokes them, and its essential meaning is in the tension between the contradictory answers. And that's basically the movie, right? Like, I think he actually sets out to make a movie that is actually that. So your level of satisfaction is how interested are you in these contradictory answers or non-answers that you're given. I think there's a lot in it, certainly about, like, fame. And I think if you're watching it, thinking of it, why Bradley Cooper chose to tell this story in the way he did there's definitely a lot of like meat on that bone without him providing you any actual answers, but you could definitely take away your own conclusions on like what he thinks about certain things. I would say kind of like star is born is like that too. Um, yeah. So and I do like that. Both of his films have focused um, a lot on his female co-lead, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, like star is born is like built that way, but you know, this one, not as, like, so this, this one so, didn't have to be so for me, yeah, immediately in first place. I was just like, it feels like a performance. So here's the thing I would say too. I love Bradley Cooper as an actor. Uh, it's not his my favorite Bradley Cooper performance, but it's definitely the performance that he, the, the, the best performance he's had in terms of like checking every box for an Oscar, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like It's it like, is it's, his, his most Oscar baity performance. Like, just like through the roof uh, Oscar bait, right? Like a biopic doing the makeup, uh, directing himself going through like decades of a person's life. It, it just feels like it checks off all the boxes. And I think if we're going to go like we saw like last year and previous years with like an actor and the makeup win, like I would be shocked. Like this to me is like easily front runner for best makeup, right? I, I just think it's like really, really good. And if it's going to win that, then I think that increases his chances of winning as well since those seemingly are sometimes paired. So I was just like all in on this for him. And sorry to Leo. Uh, yeah, this is like on paper, he has everything he needs to win, given what we know about voters' preferences in this category specifically, like real life transformation, you know, and like prosthetics too. So, yeah. And it's like, so Killy Murphy still in first. Like I said, that's a killer performance to me. But I think a lot of people and even talking to people at like the Maestro event and like the May-December event, a lot of like 
he's just react. He's not, he's, you know, he's like just a reacting. He's not actively doing stuff. That was like already a knock on him for this. I don't agree with that, but I'm like already, it's like, if it's subtle or like not showy, then I'm like, okay, the only one of these performances that I've seen still haven't seen American fiction, but I have Coleman Domingo, Jeffrey Wright and Paul Giamatti. Coleman Domingo, I think is like in that Bradley like sphere of performance. Cause it's like a real life person and it's like a big performance and like kind of owning the whole movie. But I just, obviously I don't think Rustin is as successful and certainly wouldn't be as an uh, like Maestro has a chance to get another movie that has like eight, nine nominations, right. Based on like all its tech stuff. And Rustin, I think is will be maybe two, maybe right. Or whatever. So that helped me put Bradley in first as well, basically. I just moved him up to second from third. So I didn't really do much. Um, I still have Killian in first. Not that I think Killian is winning, as I've said, but I think he's the safest for a nomination. Yeah, yeah. And also now like Bradley too, really. But um, yeah, like with, with Killian, yeah, it's just, it's not as showy as uh Bradley's performance I don't think Bradley is super showy either it's not like like the the biopic tropes that you think of when you think of like a transformational biopic you know um I do think like he he brings like Bernstein to life in it's not like that's not I, I don't know what the right word is but I was going to say sedate, but it's not sedate. It's just kind of, it's more like, I guess like quiet. And, and then it kind of like comes to a simmer, you know, like you, you see him um, really like ingratiate himself in the role, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's like spinning the wheels. No. I mean, it's kind of manic, though, right? It's like where's yeah, more energy? Like, like there are, like there are definitely, like, like loud, as in, you know, like frantic moments. It, a couple of scenes reminded me of Pacino. He's doing a little Pacino, uh, like. But it's not. Wow. It's not like scent of a woman. No, no, it's like heat Pacino. There's one scene when he meets Matthew Bomber and his wife, on-screen wife, in the park. Oh yeah, that 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 scene, that was scene hilarious. But that's hilarious. Like, but, but also that's like, still not like the type of no, you know like right. yelly type of no like no. playing real person thing no. that you I, might think yeah. of it and like in uh, like a shoddy biopic yeah but like I like the performance a lot and um I yeah like he has everything on paper to win but I just I'm not gonna like move him to first yet because it's only October and you know what like at this time five years ago which was also stars born came out on October 5th. So tomorrow or today when this is out, like, you know, there were people, I still remember those people saying like, he's going to win. Like he might not win director, but he'll win best actor. Um, and, or like, you know, a stars born can win the big five and that did not happen. So I'm not going to go there yet with him, like definitely winning this. And I know there's people saying like, He's way overdue. And but I'm also just like, you're just looking at like the 0 for 9, but more than half of his nominations are not for acting. I don't know. I definitely don't know if he's over. I agree with that. I don't know if he's overdue. Um, but I do think it's kind of like Nolan for me in director. If he's ever gonna like obviously they could still win, 
and Nolan might not win either. But I'm like, if they're ever going to want, if, if like we could not come up with a better Oscar winning role or Oscar no, winning, is, you know what like, I mean? Like of, of his four, I mean, he's been nominated four times. Like yeah. this is definitely like it's it feels like it's all building to this right so i'm like if he's not gonna win for this like good luck ever winning a competitive oscar basically to me but so i have him in first uh which we knew did you put him in first everywhere else uh i'm trying to think let me look i actually don't remember i did update my globes picks Uh, if you're watching this we did our globe sticks last week and then then they added a spot so you could vote for six at the globes uh i did put him in first at the globes I kept Leo in there. And let me see if I put him in first at SAG. Uh, compelling stuff here. And I have him first at SAG. Coleman in second at SAG. So you have him sweeping. I do. Uh, it feels like another... The other thing I thought of watching the movie is that it's like, like we're saying here, it's good. And I don't think you're going to have a lot of people not liking it it feels like a consensus kind of movie. You know what I mean? So it's like that I think will help him too, where it's like a basic, basic SAG voter, right. To not to besmirch them, but like would find probably compelling and maybe even a more austere Academy member would also find it compelling, maybe even more. So I think it like kind of try to split the difference on like the two uh, polls. So I feel like that helps him too. Yeah. And there's nothing it's, it's like obviously prestige, but it's not, like um inaccessible or like no. distant or anything no. you know so um, um yeah like i think like i've always had the film in in same picture. um i've always had him in you didn't always have him in i took him out and i had him out because i just think the other it's like to me killian murphy colin domingo and jeffrey wright and Paul Giamatti feel pretty like they'd all likely get in. So I think it is between Bradley and Leo, but I guess you could say maybe Jeffrey Wright or even Paul Giamatti are also at risk of not getting nominated. But I just think the passion will be there for those kind of guys because of their stature in the industry and the performances. Um, for but you, you didn't add him in director. No, I didn't touch director. Uh, oh, yeah. I would be shocked, frankly, if he got in. It's so competitive. Even... With director, my five, I, you might have the same. Do you have the same five? I have Nolan, Lanthimos, Greta Gerwig, Martin Scorsese, and Alexander Payne. You might still have Jonathan Glazer, I think, right? No, I have, I have Justine Trier. Okay. But so there you go. Uh, I don't have Jonathan Glazer or Justine Trier, but I think both of them would certainly be ahead of Bradley. I think Greta would be ahead of Bradley. I have her in, but I think even if she wasn't in, I would still say that. Uh, I don't know. I, I He could maybe get in and that like, eight maybe he's like ninth to me eighth it just seems too crowded and that he didn't get in for star is born is makes me reticent to predict him because of the branch yeah yeah that's why i don't have him either i mean i have him at the globes now that they have six yeah. now like you said it's a level up from star is born i think there's like a clear auteur stamp on the movie more so than even star is born and half of it is black and white they love and- black and white and all of those things to me make it, it's not impossible, but I don't have him in. I it would be, I mean, he could easily get in, but I do don't you think have him. his, in this one, do you think his acting is better or do you prefer his acting or directing? I mean, I prefer Star is Born completely to the, this movie. So I think his acting in Star is Born is better in, in, in this one. But in like this one, 
I guess I would say that directing to me was more of an achievement than the acting. Because I think, while, like I said, I don't know if the movie is as good as Star is Born. I don't think it is. I think every department is operating on such a high level that you have to give him credit for leading those departments, right? You know what I mean? Like, as the director. <laughs> so I'm just like, and I think the way he, like, presents these scenes, he clearly has something. To, it is, like, very much a directed movie. You know what I mean? It's not like... Uh, yeah. yeah, I think his directing, I prefer his directing to his acting in Maestro, and I think his directing in Maestro is better than his directing in A Star is Born. Yes. But I think I prefer his acting in A Star is Born to his acting in Maestro. And I'm not even like a, a Bradley Cooper stan. Like, I don't feel that way about his performance like you do, that he was robbed <laughs> of the Oscar. Really robbed. But I, I thought like that performance was just I think uh a lot more like effective and moving than this like like he's he's still very moving as Leonard Bernstein but um I don't know like I I think like there was just something more ineffable about him and the stars born I think the, also, the other interesting thing about Maestro and what he chose to do is that I, we've talked about this before and how a lot of biopics, you know, in like the last decade just focuses on like a snapshot of a moment or a period in the person's life. And, you know, it's not from like birth to death, but like he, he covers, you know, multiple decades of Bernstein's life, but it's through the prism of the marriage. So he's kind of like having it both ways mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, I mean, you don't, you don't like go from, you don't see like a, a, like a little boy, like Lenny Bernstein or anything, but. And you, you know, don't you, really you, see you any. start with him at, at like 25, you know, when he got his big break. Right. You mentioned like the church scene. I don't, I'm, I'm not the biggest classical music head. So I, I knew that was like Mahler, but yeah. I don't know. But that, that, that is like really the one sustained moment of like him conducting. Mm -hmm. You don't actually see him like even the opening like when he gets the call and he's going to the 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 Philharmonic or whatever, what I don't even know what is that what it is Joyce Carnegie Mellon Carnegie yeah, uh you don't see that him doing it right he walks out and kind of like then you kind of see the after no there's a very very stylistic yes like and run there and then <laughs> and then like even like West Side Story or stuff you those are present but not you're not really watching him do it I think there's also like a scene of him doing Candide I guess right with like the core. yeah like that's the thing it's not about like his work like right. you don't see him like composing a lot right. like there's like some brief scenes of him composing right but it's not about him like this like tortured genius trying to write west side story and like but like they reference it like because it's the he and felicia do this tv interview and she's like oh he's working on this uh updated version of romeo and juliet right now i, I like story. i really like that scene i thought that was really well done. Okay. and especially i like the way like the editing too like the way um they transition through time because there are no title cards to tell you like oh th this is 12 years later or anything you know yeah but, like, you figured it out i put it in for edit i didn't have it in for editing i did put it in after as well because i thought that was like really well done i also put it in for costumes uh because i thought the costumes were beautiful oh, i already had it in costumes and i was toying with putting in for production design i would put it in fifth i have wonka in there still uh but i might put it in my throw in uh and I put it in for screenplay because I didn't have it in. 
I already had it. And I, I called that too. I was like, you're going to put it in. Yeah. So I put it in everywhere. The only thing I didn't, I, I had Carrie Mulligan in. I moved her into second, I think. I'm not sure if I had her in second previously. I moved her into second. Uh, incredibly good performance from Carrie Mulligan. Again, like Bradley, has been better in other things to me. But uh, a movie, a, a performance and a movie that seems tailor-made to get an Oscar nomination slash win uh playing a uh an actor who goes through a health crisis who has all these like really baity scenes in the end i don't know i was like i think this like checks off a lot of boxes to me i'm not sure she can win or will win i definitely think she can win though she she can win yeah and i i would say um she was as good as advertised to me because uh a, not not a lot but like a few people who had seen it already had told me about how incredible she is in this um and she she is very very good and absolutely runs away with the last act of the movie. completely so uh yeah. really great that's kind of like so that's like funny that's why like a lot of you right before like a lot of people were saying how the first act and the first half is like really great and the second half kind of falls off but i love like i love the whole second act and second half she really because, like, like she's, she's my so favorite good. part of the last act it's yeah. like it's all because of her yeah she's um, awesome and and yeah like she she's just it's just this like felicia is like not she is a long suffering wife, but but not the tropey. It's like again, it's like it's like a play on all the tropes you think of like in biopics, especially about like genius men. It's right. like she is a long suffering wife, but she also has her own agency and her own life and her own career. Um, and then like, you know, she and her husband have this like, you know, understanding. Like she she knew like he was sleeping with men and everything. And yes. Um, yeah, and then it leads to like that big fight. And like she has so many great scenes throughout the film um but yeah the last act is really when carrie gets to shine and so like going into it there was some speculation at least online uh, that maybe she could run supporting joyce she's not a supporting so here's I... in this movie she like uh, again they can do whatever they want i don't yes. think that's gonna happen no um, because i've talked to people associated yes with this movie um, and there is absolutely no indication that is happening. <laughs> None. I, here's what I'll say. Uh, she's not, like, I was thinking this in, in terms of, like, Lily Gladstone, too. And again, people could do whatever they want. If Carrie Mulligan woke up and was like, I want to be supporting actors. I mean, she went supporting last Godspeed. year for she so. Right. Uh, but if you're thinking of the movies, I'm like, Killed the Flower Moon, yes, is about the Osage Nation and Molly. But she is not a focus of, it's about that, but she's not the lead factor in that story it's told through the perspective of like leo this is about leonard bernstein but felicia and carrie mulligan is like a lead presence in his life and, and in the movie you know what i mean like that's how it's like so it's like you could argue yeah, this, that it's like the movie is a two-hander right it is and, and like, I, flower moon is not no it's, it's not even so. if even if like flower moon is more about molly than maestro is about felicia i would say that's i, I would actually maybe see that point but there's no way like that she's a supporting character in Maestro at all. No, <laughs> like it would, it would be uh, the way I define category fraud. If she were, again, I don't care about fraud, but if she were to go supporting that, it would be category fraud because she would be a lead going supporting. Yes. 
Uh, um, and- but again, I don't think that's going to happen. And she is an absolute lead in yes, this movie. She is, uh, without a doubt. And I really, like I said, I don't know if she'll win. And this is now like, we've talked about this. It's already a hellishly competitive category uh, with multiple, multiple people who could be nominated. Uh, and she is one of them. I think she will get in and I think she will compete to win. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think also goes. the the carry going mulligan talk it reminds me of last year after michelle williams uh went lead for mm-hmm. the fablemans and then if you recall a lot of chatter online on film twitter about uh maybe margot robbie should go supporting for babylon like why she's the fucking lead of this movie she yes. is the central focus of their marketing yes but it's just like oh the lead category is getting too crowded now in this case this year with lily so it's like let's try to move some other contenders if if it's possible to supporting if it makes sense somehow you know here's what i'll say about lead actors this year is i hope that all of the great critics groups and all these other things there's a lot of people who could be nominated in all these different shows and a lot of people could win here and i hope that we get more of a lack of consensus throughout because like it just seems to be most fair because I think whatever final five you end up with will be amazing. And there will still be like four other actresses who are amazing and didn't get in. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's like, there's hard to, there's really not a whiff. Like we still haven't seen fan, uh, Fantasia in color purple, but assuming that's also good. And from people I've talked to who have seen it, they're like, it's good. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen it and they haven't widely screened it, but I'm like, you could go like we've said, I mean like literally like one, two, three, four. I mean five, the top ten, 10 is like, it's like very strong yeah so i'm like even whatever the five is there's still gonna be five others who are great who didn't get in so i just hope they're like represented elsewhere maybe at the globes or the sag or new york film critics or whatever groups are doing awards like please vote for other yeah, people don't rubber stamp people this is i mean i mean you know my preferred like uh, award season calendar everyone votes in a vacuum on december 31st would be great just stagger the announcements so then no one can copy off of each other's homework uh, so, but you, I did move you, Carrie to first at the Globes in drama. I think I moved her to first at the Globes also. I think they'll both win at the Globes. Uh, let's see, did I do that? I did. You mean Carrie and Emma Stone? Yes. But, and Carrie and Bradley. Oh, Carrie and Bradley. And but at Carrie and Emma Stone also. And I think that makes sense to me. But who knows? Uh, yeah, anything else about, about Maestro, Joyce? What do you think? Um, I think it will do well nominations wise. Um, another, how many you think? I don't know if a hit double digits, but it could get close to double digits. I wouldn't be surprised if it went over. Like there's no, there's no supporting player in this, so it can't really get more than two. Um, so again, picture, actor, actress, screenplay makeup it's five cinematography photography costumes, costumes editing editing production design, production design sound sound for sure so that's 10 right there now i, I could mean, miss could get into director that's like on the table that would be 11 um, could miss no music no music no <laughs> it could miss like one of those maybe it misses production design you know what i mean like who knows like i could see it missing one of those if, for whatever reason but that's 10 or 11 basically another movie with 10 or 11 potential nominations added to our list of double digit nominees. I saw people suggesting can maybe even win best picture. 
uh right now i i don't know um about that i think where did i move it up to oh i moved it up to six i think i had it in like seventh <laughs> i have it in fifth i believe let me look yeah i can see it being top five in the end i have it in fifth i have oppenheimer poor things barbie holdovers maestro and then flower moon Yeah, I have, I just have Flower Moon in my top five. Right. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll be interested to see how it plays with like other people when like real people get to see it. I think it'll be play okay. Like I said, I don't think people are going to like hate it. I think they're going to like it or like love it or think it's fine. Yeah, I, I can see the industry liking it. Um like and and more because they were very apathetic towards a star is born but i feel like they might be more inclined to like this i think uh, so too and i think what it says about being a famous person i think will resonate with famous people yes yeah so, so that gives it a leg up i'm not ready to put it in first place for best picture though but i guess we'll see i definitely think it's the best chance netflix has had in a long time to win best picture though i also think it's good for it right now not to be seen as the presumptive favorite outright yes. you know so it could i mean i i think that that's kind of what hurt like mank you know it's like mm -hmm. people were just very amped up for this movie and it was gonna be netflix's number one that year and everything you know and it's like Hollywood's like industry adjacent or like actually industry, not adjacent. But um, yeah, and then like they also didn't really care about it that much in the end, you know, so. A point in Bradley's favor for director to me would be, I think like you're saying a lot of directors and certainly directors that he's worked with who are in the branch will probably really like this movie. And I think we'll note, like you're saying, the level up in terms of like craft and directing. And so I could see them being like, yes, like he could get in. But also, I do think you, it's very competitive. Did you notice like or hear people like murmuring during the credits when it's a, you know, produced by Martin Scorsese and produced by Steven Spielberg? Yes. Yeah. And so like that alone, I, I so I'm not ready to put him out completely in director. I think if he gets in for director, I mean, we'll know this in like three months. I would say it absolutely could win Best Picture, basically. Uh, I don't think it's about question that it could win in the end. I'm not ready to move it up higher. But it was very well received here in, in New York. Yeah, but again, also not surprising that it was very well received no. here in New no. York. No. <laughs> At uh, Lincoln Center. Yeah, So <laughs> with his Bernstein's children doing the intro. Uh, the, the fix was in, but I also think it's like pretty good. You know um, what, Jamie Bernstein, uh, if, this, if the SAG strike does not end anytime soon, they're returning to the table today on Wednesday. But um, Jamie Bernstein, she great campaigner. Well, she'd be a great advocate for Bradley to the point where I was like, yeah. he maybe doesn't even need to campaign at all. Let's exactly. just let me do the talk. I mean, you remember the, the New York Times profile last time. Sure. So, yeah, uh, I do. Uh, yeah, she was wonderful. Uh, other movie we saw, another Netflix movie. Netflix all over the New York Film Festival, Joyce. We saw May, December on Friday in May, opening. Yeah, we sat next to each other, like we were saying before. Yeah, uh, really, really, really loved May, December. So enjoyable. That, like, it's totally right up my alley. Like everything about the tone, just like high camp melodrama. Very <laughs> the funny. The music ever. 
the music was which is adapted from uh the go-between i believe yes. uh, like basically yeah. the same music from the go-between just like remixed yeah. Yeah. uh Haynes movie uh, written by sammy birch who was there and they made a big deal because that was like the first time she was able to like promote the movie since it premiered at can uh the the buzz out of the screening was charles melton a lot of people not big riverdale fans i guess Including Todd Haynes, because in his speech, he was talking about uh, how revelatory Charles Melton is. And then he was like, I was unfamiliar with his work before this. I'm like, wow. He uh, and he he's quite good in it. it. The movie, like you said, I think it's very funny, very campy, very, very melodramatic. Funny. And then Melton plays, basically, it's not Mary Kay Letourneau's story, but it was heavily influenced, I would imagine, by that, uh, where you have an older woman has uh, sexually assaults a young man or a 12 year old like 13 year old right or whatever it is in the movie then goes to jail and then marries him and they have children who are grown like going to college or in college and so he's playing like a 36 year old guy with like 20 year old kids and like kind of realizing that his life is fucked and uh yeah. really good he's like he may he actually gives it a lot of like sadness that is like really yeah, great counterbalance. So much yeah and it's off from him and i thought just um the physicality of his performance was really impressive too because he was simultaneously a lost little boy and a haggard middle-aged dad it's great he is great you, know, you like you saw how tired he was but also just how unmoored he was because he never had a proper childhood he never you know he, he was you know sexually assaultive when he was a preteen so and then he married her and he was raising kids when he was a teenager basically so um yeah i thought he was very good and um but uh, a lot of the reactions to his performance um yeah like you like you said like it's just like people just didn't watch riverdale you know and it reminds me of people thinking last year that like austin butler was new yeah, I mean, Charles Melton will definitely be on, like, winning breakout awards. Yeah, like, yeah. he's definitely newer than Austin Butler, but, yeah. But yeah he'll like... definitely be breakout winner. Yeah. Breakthrough awards, Charles Melton. Uh, I thought the movie, like you said, I, I it reminded me of, like, a great 90s cable movie that you would just watch on, like, you know, like, Showtime or Cinemax. There, there are also so many great, like, inside baseball jokes in it like when when like natalie portman's character and the actress because she's playing julianne moore's character like she's she's watching like audition tapes um of like you know young boys to play joe uh charles character and it's so funny it's great it's very funny they're both great as advertised uh i'm not sure it'll break through and i think it, like this is one that i think will do well with like i said like Golden Globes, because it's going to be in a different... Like, Natalie, I think, would get in at the Golden Globes. I think Charles could get in certain places, certainly, like, as a breakthrough or whatever. I think the script has got a strong chance of maybe making an Oscar play. Uh, but I didn't move it into... I didn't move it... Go crazy and move it into a lot of places for my Oscar nominations. Uh, I didn't either. Um, I, I The one I thought about the most was screenplay. Yeah. Um, but I didn't do it. Um, I, I already had Charles in at the Globes, and now with six spots, I'm keeping him. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it's without question that he could get in at the Oscars if the movie takes off. Because like we said, there's basically four actors who are locked in there, in theory. Downey, Ruffalo, Gosling, and De Niro. And then the fifth slot, people are going with Willem Dafoe or 
I have Matt Damon or someone from Oppenheimer, or maybe you want to still go to bat for Jesse Plemons, maybe a double nom here. Um, Dominic gotcha. Sessa, right? But I think Charles Melton could compete if the if the movie if they like the movie enough, right? I don't think it's without question that he could get in because there is like a flexible last spot. But I don't think they're going to be as crazy for the movie because it feels a little, uh, I don't know. I think there's like a narrow lane of people who would really like it. Yes, and those people are us. Yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, would say I, like I, there's definitely going to be people who do not like this movie. Like the discourse will, I can already see the discourse really and yeah, it, um you know like you know in in the trailer that was released last week one of the poll quotes said deeply uncomfortable i wasn't that uncomfortable with it i don't think it's that unsettling at all like obviously it covers an unsettling and uncomfortable subject matter but like it's not endorsing it or anything you know like the depiction is not endorsement as we know and <laughs> it's, it's it's more about like the movie is, is a commentary about you know the the self really and like one one of the things that I loved about the movie was just uh, the use of like mirror images and everything a lot of the framing um obviously you know the one of the stills that we've seen since May from the movie is like Natalie and Julianne from the mirror but you know like Natalie and Charles have or not Julianne and Charles have twins right there's just a lot of there's like that double thing and it's just like what are what what lies do we tell ourselves to um you know live out the life we want and just be performative and present like present ourselves to the world you know like that's really what the film was about and it's just using this scandal as a way in to that and is there ever a way to get to the truth of anything Yes. Yeah. It it not to go back to Maestro, but it, it another a great tagline for this would be a work of art does not answer questions, it provokes them, and it's essential. Yeah. It's essential meaning is an attention between I also the contradictory love, answers. Love the ending to May December. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was. I was thinking like you know, like a lot of times we talk about these Netflix things that get picked up by Netflix or like even a streaming like. I mean, just I'm not even going to front. Kill is a Flower Moon to me seems like it's going to be a tough recommend for people at streaming if they're going to try to sit through it in one sitting, right? Because it's so long. But like this, I was like, man, this is like a great, I would like really like to rewatch this. And I think it'll play so well at home because it would just play, I think it would do really well on Netflix. Yes. Um, also, because of the true crime aspect, I feel yes. like there'll be a lot of a uh, spike in searches for Mary exactly. Kay. I see some um, websites already doing that for the SEO, banking that contract. Yeah, they're talking to, because, you know, obviously she's passed away, but yeah. they're talking to a Billy who has uh, relatives, yes. sources, sources, a lot of sources. A lot of source material. Yeah, love that. Love the neighbors taking out the trash and yeah. talking. So to I don't know if like, if like Netflix already has like an existing doc about Mary Kay or something. one up, right? And spin yeah. it up or whatever. Just, uh, you know, watch next, this thing. I would say, yeah, I think it'll do really well on Netflix. And I could see the one that, I mean, the only thing, like you're saying, the tone, I think is really specific. I found it really funny. And before the screening in New York Film Festival, the premiere, Dennis Lim was, who's the, the executive director or whatever of New York Film Festival was like, this is the funniest movie we've ever screened on opening night. And I think that gave people permission to maybe laugh at things they would not have laughed at if they thought it was supposed to be played straight. Probably. And I'm just worried, I guess a little, not worried, but I would wonder if people are watching at home, will they actually find, will they know that they can laugh at 
certain things that are completely ridiculous and heightened to melodrama that would be more like a Tommy Wiesau uh, movie, right? You know, I mean, there is like really out, like really deep camp uh, and melodrama in it. That's very funny, even amid like some stuff that's really heartbreaking and sad. I feel like if if you're kind of going into his, this blind, you don't know, really know anything about the movie or the people involved, like you're not familiar with Todd Haynes's work or anything, um, and you just stumble across this title on Netflix, I feel like if you don't laugh immediately in the beginning when Julianne Moore dramatically opens the fridge and says, I don't think we have enough hot dogs, then this movie's not for you. It reminds, you know, it's funny. The other thing is one of the producers on the movie is Will Ferrell. Yes. Uh, and I was like, there's a version of this movie with Kristen Wiig playing Julianne Moore. <laughs> and I absolutely think that. And it reminded me a little of Spoils of Babylon. Remember they did that like fake Lifetime movie? And I think there's a, the tone of it, like Will Ferrell likes that kind of like tone. And certainly I could see Kristen Wiig doing it. This is a much better version of that. And I think also like Todd Haynes is a great advocate for the movie. I thought hearing him talk about it was really uh, great. And Sammy too, uh, the screenwriter, she did. Uh, she's got like a lot of smart things to say. But I was like, this is a very like saying like before about Maestro, like how it's like very specifically directed. It's shocking that an auteur is going to have like really strong point of view. But I'm like, the movie has a really great point of view. I I liked it so much. It's like definitely on my. If I was making my list of like faves of the year, it would be on there. But I don't know. I just don't think it'll get in. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how like the industry reaction would be particularly like I thought Natalie was great but I'm like I don't really have room for her and she has you know this really great monologue towards the end of the movie um this this movie is just great for actressing Matt, Natalie's great I mean if I was ranking uh, Julianne is always great uh-huh. and it feels like dismissive to say she's like of the three she was my third favorite but she is still great but I definitely think I would rank them Natalie Charles and Julianne if I was ranking the yeah um but it was great and I I, looking forward to seeing people see it and again another movie I think could do well with like regional critics hopefully or like other places and certainly the Globes having it being in drama would help for Natalie getting in obviously and I think it could get in elsewhere too maybe there I mean we'll see like you said you have Charles in um as well I I had Charles and I put Julianne in with the sixth spot but I did not put Natalie in sadly I don't, you don't have I Natalie don't Globes I have Natalie Globes yeah that's funny yeah um because I kept Kaylee Spaney um so I just put back Greta Lee who I had before but I, I really debated between Greta and Natalie but then I was like is it weird to have three May-December people I guess not I don't know I don't think it is because I think they could really go for it um I guess we'll see so those are uh that's New York Film Festival that we saw. Anything else, Joyce, on that one? Or what do you? Um, no, I I enjoyed them both. So again, another year. I was saying this to somebody. We've talked about this. No flops. A year yeah. of no flops. Yeah. Not a not a son or Bardo. What's making it tough? Like I was talking to <laughs> someone from one of these uh studios. Let's say. Sure. And they shared the same sentiment. It was like, you know, it was like so different from last year, like yeah. right out of the festivals. It was, you know, we, yeah. we literally talked about the sun. Um, so you could like, you know, cross things off basically. No cross offs. Yeah, this year was tough. Um, and then they, you know, they, they had seen some things I hadn't seen and I had seen some things they hadn't seen. So they were very curious about 
certain films and some performances in certain Same. categories. They're yeah, I've heard, I've heard their, similar conversations. They're contenders, you know. So yeah. so everyone is aware, is what I'm saying. Yeah. That everything uh, is landing. This, this is just like shouting into the old man shouting at clouds. But the other thing is like we always get like the like we had a lot of loud discourse last year, certainly with like Andrew Risero getting and everybody mad that their faves didn't get in. And I'm like, this year feels like we're definitely gonna have faves not getting in. Oh yeah. I mean and best actress. Certainly best actress, like we were saying, and other places too. Like director, like Greta Gerwig very easily cannot get in, right? And like people are gonna be like screaming at the sun when she doesn't get in if that happens. And I'm just like, I hope people understand how deep this year is. I, I don't know. And I, I I feel like they don't, especially if you look at like casuals on yeah. Twitter and stuff, because I've yeah. seen a lot of reactions, like, but just like some people just like tweeting general things about like, oh, like this category is so stacked or whatever, or like, like, you know, like this is, I, I can't believe I don't have like so-and-so here. And a lot of like replies and like quote tweets are just like, Greta Gerwig is locked. And I'm like, is she though? I talked to one person who talked to, this is like, talk about telephone. I talked to one person who talked to somebody in the industry who was making a case that and Greta And you know Gerwig, it's accurate. <laughs> so you know it's good. Who's making a case that Greta Gerwig could win with the, like, a straight up win uh, because the movie is great and, like, the fact that it was such a huge hit and, like, a transformative thing would put her in front of even Nolan and Euros Lanthimos. I have her in third, so I don't think it's unlikely that she could win, but, like, I would not go that far yet. But I don't know. No, I think... It kind of sucks for her because every she's just competed in very very competitive years every single time with with mm -hmm. her solo efforts. You know, Lady Bird, Little Woman. She didn't get in that year. That was that like she had no chance that year. That was really tough to crack um, that lineup. And, and now this year, you know, it's another tough one. I, so, I feel like she'll have a good shot to get in. I, the one person I'm like, we don't need to go into director, and we can go to emails here. But I have. So I have Nolan Lanthimos, Greta, Martin, Scorsese, and Alexander Payne. I'm still like, I feel like Alexander Payne will get in, but I'm also like, maybe he won't. I feel like people really like that movie though. And the people Yeah, who like and it, also like, he's he's gone in three times before. <laughs> and the people who really like it love it. You know what I mean? Like I talk to people who like it's their yeah. favorite movie of the year. And Same. I do think that for an older Academy member, that is going to be like- It's, it's a very boomer three. movie. Yeah, a lot of boomer, big boomer vibes- fucking bouncing off that one so like that i think will have a lot of support and he would be like top three for a lot of boomers who do you think will win more breakthrough awards between dominic sessa and charles melton charles melton probably uh but dominic probably should because he's an actual breakout person never seen yes he, he's introducing <laughs> the credits so, so i'd say he should actually win them but i think charles yeah i feel melton like will. so many like I, I feel like so many film people do not watch tv and it's like charles melton is not new it was like a huge thing when he replaced ross butler on riverdale it was uh who else do you think will be up for breakthrough performances this year our favorite um our favorite category fraud uh um i don't know i need to like look at let me give you some people I was thinking of. Hang on. Uh, okay. No, I mean. What? <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say Eric Alexander, even though I don't think it's a breakout, but I was like for uh, American fiction, because I feel like people will be like, who's that? No. I mean, honestly, I could see some people doing Greta Lee, even though she's not a breakout at all. <laughs> so Greta Lee would be hilarious one for sure. Um, Kaylee Spaney. 
Kelly Sweeney and, was, even though she crushed it on there of Town. <laughs> and was also in like a major uh what was it bad times of the El Royale yes yeah Fantasia because she's introducing <laughs> introducing Fantasia breakout <laughs> I mean not impossible it, yeah uh Dominic Zessa for sure would should be like a legitimate one yeah because he's actually real um, um I could see Tayana Taylor. Sure. A thousand and one. Great. Would be great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, just we got a lot of emails we can go to here. Unless I forgot anything. I think we're okay. You can email us at slugfest at goldderby.com. This one's from Gina. Really a long one, but I'll read it because uh, it's a nice and nice email. Hi, Chris and Joyce. I don't have the opportunity to comment often on your videos. But I just want to say that it's been a joy getting to watch you both talk about Oscar predictions within the past couple of years. Always one of the highlights of award season. I feel like a lot of people are largely underestimating George C. Wolf's Rustin in the Oscars race, most likely due to the SAG after strikes and the inability for cast members, namely Coleman Domingo, to join the director at these various festivals prior to the film's release. Unlike many others, I personally believe that Best Actor isn't the only thing Rustin is capable of being nominated for. Based on the many of the reviews I've read, many critics have highlighted the script and the score to be standout components of the film. And if Netflix can push the film hard enough, I have a feeling that it can be a dark horse in original screenplay and original score of the Oscars. If we are to assume that Rustin can sneak in around the 9-10 spot for Best Picture with a good campaign, I see the film getting a minimum of four, picture, screenplay, actor, and score. And if they want to take it further, makeup and hair and original song are on the table as well. That would put it at the same number of nominations that King Richard got two years ago, except he would replace supporting actress in editing with makeup and score. I would personally argue that Domingo is the only one in the best actor race outside of Bradley Cooper who could take the actor makeup combo for himself, similar to how Frazier took it from Butler last year. But as I mentioned earlier, I feel like everything hinges on how the deal between SAG and AFTRA and the AMPTP turns out before we can get across that bridge, because they would obviously need Coleman Domingo to be out there to promote it. However, I think at the end of September going into October, it's a little early to call Rustin's chances right now when the movie isn't out. I've seen people take him out for Jeffrey Wright. As much as I love for them both to be nominated, I don't trust MGM to promote properly for award season after what happened to Till and Women Talking, neither of which got acting nominations, compared to Netflix, who managed to get Anna DeArmas nominated in Best Actress for a divisive borderline negative film like Don't Look Up in other categories. Uh, it's still going here, Joyce, but that's basically it. I could keep, we've seen blah, blah, blah. I apologize, this is a lot to read. No apology necessary. It was a lot to read, Gina, but I felt like I wanted to read it because you're a longtime fan. Uh, I am curious your thoughts on all of this. Always a pleasure to get to watch both of you wherever you are. And I hope you have a wonderful week. Gina, lovely sentiments. Thank you. Joyce, what do you think? I think that, uh, go ahead. What do you think? Well, you, you've seen Russ and I'm seeing it next week. So I have no opinion on the movie. Uh, I think the movie's totally fine. Uh, it's a good watch. It's very watchable, uh, which I think is good. So I think people, you know, like, We've, with a lot of uh, civil rights movies, certainly are movies about difficult subjects. People are like, we've talked about this, like certainly with like Till last year, a hurdle is getting people to want to watch the movie. Rustin is a movie that is very watchable. And the way it's presented is like, I just heard somebody, this. It, I think it's like putting on a show because it's all about like how he has to like organize the March on Washington. I heard other people compare it to like a heist film because there is that aspect of it because they're like trying to get a team together to pull off something that's impossible. And those aspects of it make it really watchable. Coma Domingo is great. Uh, I had it in for screenplay because I think it could easily get in there, but I took it out for Maestro because I just felt like Maestro is a stronger movie. Um, but I did put it in as the SAG, at SAG as an ensemble nominee. 
So I think it's not what I was thinking about doing that at SAG because I was like, I I I still have Killers of Flower Moon in there, but I'm like, this is just giving individual noms, but no ensemble. Absolutely. I don't think there's enough people like I mean, the Rustin ensemble is like Jeffrey Wright for a scene. Huge, Chris yeah. Rock and is it's in like it. TV film people too. So Devondre Randolph like is in right it. Right up so like, their alley. It, it, there's a ton of people in it, like just an absolute ton of recognizable, like you said, like TV actors and movie stars all coming together for this movie. Um, I think it's not without question that could get into that nine. I think that bot we've always talked about that like bottom, I think is always flexible when you have 10 nominees. So eight, nine, 10, you know, I think Rustin will have like, I think Rustin and Nyad are similar and they're, they're both Netflix movies, both built on performances that are better than the movies and both with actors who are beloved in theory in the industry. Right. Yeah, I saw Nyad last week and Annette and Jody were great. And, um, they're but, awesome. Yeah, better, right? yeah, better than the movie that they're in. And and Riza fans, but I the think the movie is enjoyable. So it's very watchable. Another movie I think could be in a Dark Horse Best Picture contender. But the reason I would like the reason I went Rustin over Nyad at SAG is because Nyad feels like and it's the, just the three of them. <laughs> and Rustin again is like this big ensemble in addition to this Coleman thing. I do think once Coleman Domingo gets out, once if the SAG strike ends this week, like many people are expecting, or soon after. Um, and he's able to just kind of start the campaigning as it gets into release, right? It's not coming out for, I think, another month anyway. I think he'll be a very uh, inviting presence on the trail and like that will help uh, him as well. I have I had him in, I have him in second now, I think after Bradley in first and Killian in third. Yeah, um, like I think he is like locked for a SAG nomination. <laughs> um. And I I don't know if I would go as high as six noms, um, especially like, you know, the film is not out yet and I also haven't seen it, but I could see it getting multiple noms, like two or three, I, you know, the Lenny Kravitz song. The song certainly, uh, I thought the score was solid, but I think Nyad maybe has, with Alexandra Desplat doing his like Desplat shit and Nyad uh, has probably better opportunity for a surprise score nomination. But I did think this Warren Rustin was good. Um, I thought the makeup is interesting because it's like he is. Uh, they tell the story in the movie, but like uh, Bayard Rustin had like a, it had his teeth knocked out by a, a police brutality incident, and that's in the movie. And like they show it, and so he has to wear like prosthetic teeth, and there obviously is hair and, and makeup as well. I could see it maybe getting in in makeup certainly wouldn't be like without question but it's not as showy as something like maestro i guess i would right. say like i think even if it got into hair and makeup i i don't think it would upset it for the win i don't either but if it got in and even be an another yeah like it'll even... it'll be he won't he won't he wouldn't be alone now which i think some people are also predicting um i was one of those people who did drop him not because i wanted to um but as I said um, in our column last week, I felt very uneasy about it um, because like Gina said, uh, MGM, which is behind American fiction, has not been very successful, actually not at all successful in the last couple of years getting acting nominations. Like she just mentioned Woman Talking Until, but there's also House of Gucci, Licorice Pizza, Cyrano, you know? So um, yeah, so, but I, but I think like we've said, like Jeffrey Wright is also feels like someone who could overcome whatever shortcomings you might think, you know, MGM might have with its campaign. I don't even know. Maybe it's all just 
grateful that these people didn't get in these it last might be, couple of years. Right? Yeah. Um, like, you know, like it just turns out like these the voters just didn't really care about these movies that much, right? So yeah. Um, but I, I don't I like I agree, like obviously Coleman will will campaign if he's able to, but I don't think like Ana de Armas's nomination last year had much to do with Netflix. I think that was just people really loving her performance. Like we saw how much Colin Farrell stand her. He spent half a speech at the Globes praising her. And you know, and that kind of took like film Twitter by surprise too when she was getting all these nominations. And then it was like people were being forced to predict her because you know, so many people didn't like Blonde yeah. and they were anti-dicting Blonde, but then they were forced to predict her. So I don't even know, because like, I'll be honest, like last year, like Netflix didn't go that hard on Blonde, you know? They didn't. And they're going to so, go hard on Rustin. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like so much, like I think Coleman will campaign, but I don't think like those nominations, like she mentioned, like had so much to do with like, Netflix during it and and I think like Rustin will it's obviously not going to be polarizing like blonde no right down the middle uh this one's from uh fear-based horniness I'm just reading the emails Joyce I don't not not gonna endorse or deny this uh email does at slugfestthegoldderby.com hi Joyce and Chris I've been watching your videos since the shameful coda year and I'm a big fan uh, ever since it was announced that Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie would make a Barbie movie together, I've been the movie's biggest supporter. But I have to say, having seen the film, I'm very disappointed. First of all, I don't like how Ken-centric the movie turned out to be. The Mattel storyline was completely unnecessary, and I felt like the movie was rushing through its messages and not really fleshing them out. Also, the America Ferrara monologue, which people are saying can be her Oscar clip, including this dummy, uh, I found straight up cringy. It was an incredibly surface level and showed no personality from Greta. Anyways, basically, I currently don't have a movie to root for this award season. I feel like poor things might be it considering the people in front and behind the camera, but I haven't seen it. I'm curious to know what movies you are rooting for this year, not what you're predicting out of the movies you've seen which you would like to see win the top awards. I know you guys don't like long emails, but I needed to get this Barbie thing off my chest. Much love. Uh, it wasn't that long. It wasn't that long. We have to please. I completely just, I, I understand. Well, yeah, like what, what's your take? Because you feel the opposite. I understand. I feel the opposite for sure. Uh, I liked how Ken-centric the movie was because I think Ken is great and Ryan Gosling's great. I don't even think he's, it's like super Ken-centric. It's just that he's in it, I guess. Yeah, and like he has an arc he's kind of he he's just kind of like he kwan in everything everywhere like that's, that's like i think that's the a good substantialness problem. yeah uh, I, would, I, I would agree the mattel storyline was a little unnecessary well, but, but having, like it had to be in there i mean you know why it's in there and having seen it again it actually plays better a second time to me at least it did and i didn't think it was like that egregious and i don't think it rushes through the messages and doesn't really flesh them out i think it hits the messages and it's trying to be a mainstream movie that can't like go dive deep into yes uh, specific like theories or like you know like uh ideas <laughs> it has to like kind of serve it has to be service but the fact that it's doing yeah, it, it has to like kind of spell it out yeah. explicitly in in that speech you know by america that uh they don't like <laughs> yeah but um yeah like I, I i i definitely did not hate barbie um I it's great. but i think I think there was kind of like a very specific road that Greta had to navigate and a lot of red tape, a a lot of, or pink tape, a lot of Mattel pink tape. A lot of Mattel tape. 
yeah, a lot of metal tape um, that she didn't she didn't have to cut through, but she needed to just kind of like work through it and kind of like maybe circumvent a little, you know, to and like also kind of make some concessions and compromises to yes. be able to do what she would typically do uh, in a movie where she has complete control over and also please Mattel. So right. I think the final product was good for if you keep that in mind. Um, but and then how about yeah. movies you're rooting for? I don't like to root as much because it's just a great way. I to don't, yeah, I don't really, I don't need things to win anything. I think this is the thing where like people get so attached to their faves and like they needed to win the Oscar. I'm like, I don't really, I don't care if it wins something I, or not. So. I go now the opposite. I, I don't want my fave to win the Oscar. Yeah. I'm like, I, yeah, it's like, like, it'll be cool if it wins, but I, I don't get so angry about it if it loses. And I don't, I mean, like this year, like I loved Oppenheimer. Great movie. So would I say I'm rooting for it to win? No, I don't. Like I haven't really thought about it that way. I'll give you. I'll give you for example. I actually don't want my like the movies I love to win. The opening sentence here: shameful Coda year. Coda will forever be for a lot of people a shitty Best Picture winner, but it's a great movie that I loved. If I would have much prefer. I, I, I would much prefer Power of the Dog in one because I don't care about that movie. And like we would have just it would have moved on and everybody would have been happy and that's it. But it didn't win. Same well, thing uh, like and with also Argo. like um my faves usually never win best no. picture. So I'm just used to that. Um so like I, I expect Oppenheimer to lose, basically. Um I'd almost prefer that. And I mean I like Anatomy of a Fall. Um but I'm not like I'm just not like gung ho, like, you know, I'm going to lead the charge here. Um, and then I don't know, like performances. Um, I mean, I like Sandra too, but like, again, I don't really care if she wins or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I mean, we could have like Nolan won, but I don't really care if you won or not either. So. Uh, this one's from David R. Grammar David. Not to be oh. confused with David L. Hasn't written in a while. Hi, Joyce and Chris. I have two dumb questions for your consideration. Uh, I might be venturing out on a precarious limb, but I assert that the lack of an Oscar nomination for Nathan Lane's performance in The Birdcage represents one of the most egregious oversights in Academy Awards history. Disregarding any modern criticisms of the film, Lane's work deserve at least a nomination, if not an outright win. Which performance would you note as the most glaring snub of all time? And then before we answer that, he a quick amendment to the previous email because he emailed us back. Upon further reflection, the lack of Oscar nomination for Sandra Bernhardt and the King of Comedy was equally egregious. There, Sandra Bernhardt and Nathan Lane, the most outrageous Oscar snubs of all time. Joyce, I don't even can't even keep track of all the egregious Oscar snubs. I don't know if I put them on my personal list though. Yeah, like I don't I don't keep track of this stuff either. Like every year there's that I, I can't even remember last year who, who oh. was like last year's i mean so. somebody might be viola davis or uh Daniel yeah Nebula. i mean yeah that would have been a very cool nomination just because it's so atypical that type of performance yeah and like daniel deviler you know i mean i would go like i, I, I don't think it's the most egregious of all time but i'm like leo not getting it for the departed feels like a crazy one to me yeah but we know i why. know i know blood diamond can't even do the voice what one of his uh best films ever right 
I think David Ehrlich said it was his second best film ever after Kill the Flower Moon. Uh, the other, David had another question. Considering AI, like ChatGPT, is currently unable to provide real-time or the most updated information with a knowledge cutoff as of 2022, what percentage of lazy voters do you estimate will t- attempt to turn to ChatGPT for advice on casting their votes at the Golden Globes and Oscars this year? That's a funny question. What do you think, Joyce? I, I don't, <laughs> I've never thought about this. So here's what I would say having given it a thought just from reading this, uh, the lazy voters that were like besmirching here, we're going to assume they know how to use chat GPT enough to like, Google. I, I'm not, I'm convinced they know how to no. put a screener site together or get access to the screeners, let alone use. Chat no, and GPT. then there's like two factor authentication with that. Like they'll give up. So and, like, I'm not, I, I think you have a better chance of saying what will lazy voters text their other friends being like, well, who should I vote for? And getting, and then voting from there. Yeah, or like who, who should I watch? Like what should I prioritize? Yeah. What, Wiki, what Wikipedia entry should I read? Yeah, I don't think. Um, I love I love these wild theories that David has. Like, I would have never thought about this. <laughs> and then the last... I don't think they would care enough to make the effort to do that. No, I don't either. So, uh, and then the last one here. Uh, this one's from Carlos. Uh, hi, Joyce and Chris. I know we're in Oscar season, but I'd really like to get your thoughts on the only murders in the building season finale. Who gave your favorite performance this season? I really enjoyed Matthew Broderick and, of course, the great Meryl Streep. Thanks for your answers and have a nice day. Joyce, uh, I mean, this was the, the season of Martin Short. Uh, yeah, we, we're going to spoil only murders, I guess, if we were talking about it. So if you haven't yeah, watched it, it yet, uh, just turn off. Finale was this week. It was Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Martin Short was great. I thought uh, Selena Gomez was also great this year um and i thought steve was fine steve uh definitely took a little bit more of a back seat but he he does have the pickwick triplets song great and then he performs it again in this uh stunning blue sequent uh constable outfit on stage opening night of uh death rattle dazzle um but he'll definitely be the focus of season four so so he will. I will say two things. A, they should have, I texted you this, they should have just done a full Death Rattle Dazzle musical. I mean, I would have loved that. They, like, they should have just made the finale an hour. They um, should have done the whole thing. And... I'm disappointed they didn't actually, because they were tracking that. It felt like the season was building actually towards that, getting to see the performance. And you cast like Ashley Park, who really doesn't do a single thing in the show except for that one song with Meryl. And then she should have been in the no, show. No, because she had her like fake serum, like her water-based But that serum. was like... That yeah, was a, that was in like episode four. Um, so I was a little disappointed that she didn't come back to have like a bigger part in the musical, right? Uh, um, I think that's also like just scheduling stuff because they right. they had a lot of a lot of big names this season and schedules to juggle. So and then again, um, spoil like blaring spoiler here, but I kind of wish that the season ends with the cliffhanger that sets up season four, which is that uh, Zaz Pataki, right? Or how, is that uh, Jane Lynch's Jane character? Lynch. Yeah. who is Steve Martin's stunt double is murdered. Uh, and she takes a bullet that's clearly meant for Steve. And I was like, they should have actually ended with Steve getting shot. I think it would have been like narratively really fun and they could have had him in it still. And like either not shot, but not dead or dead, but like looking back kind of like Sunset Boulevard or whatever it is, just like, I don't did know. You, I think that did you been... think that was him? When, no, when I knew it wasn't because I was like, the show doesn't have the, the guts to do that. <laughs> frankly i don't think they would ever think of doing that well but okay so my, my thing was i the second she arrived at the party i was like oh she's dying yes same um because also because i had talked to the editor 
um before the season premiere but i had seen like the screeners like the eight episodes so we were talking about it like afterwards and and then i asked her about season four and like you know like does it set up season four and she's like yes and then she she's like i'm very excited for season four and she's like i think i'll you know like some fans will, will be they'll they'll have like you know paraphrasing but like they'll be like more upset about it like over like this like this murder or whatever you know than maybe previous ones um and so then when jane lynch walked through the door i was like oh it'll be zaz because like people like this and like you know we're familiar with her and like she's you know steve's stunt double the only thing that uh you know not bother but like you know slightly irked me a little is like when she was walking through his apartment at dark i was like it's gonna be another fake out steve death that they already did in last season's or season two finale you know when they were trying to um apprehend Mm -hmm. uh poppy um and like i knew then he obviously wasn't dead there either so it's like i knew like he wasn't dying here um but uh yeah i like i like the season a lot i know some people did not like the trio being split up so much but i thought that uh dramaturgically it made sense because that just happens in relationship like you just go through these like rough patches and it made sense that like you know because um oliver and charles were working on the play that mabel wouldn't be as evolved and obviously she was going through like her quarter life crisis like turning 30 and you know not knowing what she wants to do and like you know she she did she doesn't have the life that you know mash predicted for her when she was a a kid um so i thought like that was fine and i thought it was good to separate them too because i don't need them together all the time even though they're great together and now they're back together like you knew they were gonna be back together i uh i thought she was really i thought they were all good separately but like i said i thought steve had like the least to do martin short i thought was just absolutely elite yeah and he was amazing Meryl. And so. Meryl is amazing. I thought Meryl is like amazing. I, I thought she's so funny and she gets to do so many. I mean, she is like, gotta be like, we'll do Emmys 24, 20, whatever the fuck, because we're still doing this year's Emmys, obviously later this in early next year. But man, when she gets to win her Emmy for this, she will be well-deserved because she's awesome on it. She's so, And then she does, I mean, I think the eighth episode is the best episode of the season. The, yeah, that's same. the probe. Um, but she's so heartbreaking yeah. in finale when she yeah. tells Dickie when they have the conversation when she's it's telling like, that really she's good. mom yeah and then even like her final scene with Martin and the piano so that was really sweet and yeah, loved her in it yeah just awesome. so she's great um yeah the you know Jesse Williams was fine Tobert kind of like another like red herring like Ashley Park style where you're just like who cares and and the mystery you know, itself I did, I did, I did like him being the the coat rack that was good the mystery yeah. itself also was pretty predictable i know you're not watching which, which didn't bother me because it was but... it was kind of like one, it wasn't yeah it's in the fifth episode the tooth to date episode when once uh you find out that you know meryl was really following dicky and that you know she's his mom then it made sense like i don't need a mystery to outsmart me i just need it to make sense uh, and they felt like father themes before in the previous season. So it uh, obviously makes sense that they'll do like mother themes and, you know, in the razzle dazzle, it's, you know, she plays the nanny who's looking after children. So it all ties together. So yeah, it definitely yeah. was, it's thematically appropriate. It was yeah. very, I thought it was, I, I enjoyed the season. Like we always say, 
It's a solid BB plus show. Still solid. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. Still. Uh, I don't know what people are talking about. It's no. not a drama. <laughs> it's not a drama. And Carrie Mulligan is not a supporting actress. Um, yes. A lot of the takes. Are, yeah. <laughs> the takes are, takes are wild. And we're only on October 4th as we're recording this. And we have months to go for Oscar season takes that get out of their minds. Uh, Joyce, this is so much fun. You can email us at slugfest at goldderby.com. Uh, I guess next week, I don't even know what we'll do next week. What's the, what's know. next week? Let's see. What's coming out next week? It's mm-hmm. mid-October. It'll be a week before Kills Flower Moon, which would have uh, opened limited this week. We'll find it. something to do. We could talk about the Taylor Swift movie, Best Picture, Future Best Picture. Oh, you're movie. seeing that. I can't wait. That. Opening weekend, Saturday afternoon. Oh, Are just, you also oh, seeing Renaissance? Uh, Not yet, no. I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan. The other wow, thing I wanted to mention I forgot to was uh, just briefly before we go, I met a fan. Came up to me. At oh, yeah, a you were you were texting me. About Maestro. This. I believe his name was Henry. Very nice. Uh, spoke highly what did of you. you and Henry talk about? We talked a lot about uh, movies. And he had seen, I think he had seen a cut of Maestro already. And so he was excited to wow. see how it played again. I talked to multiple people at Maestro's opening night that had seen different cuts of Maestro. Uh, yeah and like I've, I've talked to people not at <laughs> opening night but i had talked to people who had been at test screenings of maestro <laughs> amazing uh so he had seen that and he was he's great he said he loved listening to us he loved our oscars playbacks oh and i said we're gonna have to do next year we'll have to do the 80s and he goes you're in for a treat there's a lot of shitty ones i'm paraphrasing so uh yeah henry if you made it this far uh we salute you and that's it i got nothing else Wow, thank you, Henry, for listening. (laughs) Okay, I'll talk to you later. Bye. For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at goldderby. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.